Welcome to the Buck and Strutton Podcast, the chronicles of a few unlegendary hunters. Your home for tactics, strategies, and stories. folks welcome back to the buck and strutton podcast today you are graced with my presence nick bellis and dustin rector's presence so you guys ought to be in for a uh, for a treat it's a uh, kind of been a minute since we've been on here doing the doing the podcast game just a little over a month now i think since we had our last episode come out but i mean it's just been a it's been a jam-packed season like after the middle of October hit, it just went from really zero to a hundred, you know? Yeah, I definitely, I agree with that. Time, time definitely kind of slipped away. Like I was excited to see October get here because I mean, I'm, I already had a buck tag filled, but still I love hunting the month of October because as far as the change in temperatures and cold fronts and the amount of just weather and temperature change you have come through, it really forces deer to get up on their feet and you see quite a bit of movement, but yeah, it's like I opened my eyes and October was here and I shut my eyes and opened again and it was November 1st and rifle season was right around the corner. So yeah. And now it's, now it's December 2nd. Yeah. It's, it's, Time time flies when you're having fun. It it sure does, and I and that is that is the one thing, and we'll have to do an episode that is completely on all the memories made this season because this season, you know, I've I've hunted hard, and I I think that that's something both that we both can say that we we really have put all you know all the apples or no, it's all the eggs in the basket or whatever the hell that saying is, you know, like. We really gave it hell during uh, that first half of bow season, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. I have had more fun chasing whitetails this past fall than I have in the last five, six years I've been doing this, you know, like. I mean, this has been this has been a freaking blast. And I guess, I mean, hell, we got time. We can probably tell one story. One one story of of the highlight. And we've uh we've already talked about it a little bit because it was pretty it was pretty epic. It was pretty hardcore too. The um the Barquet expedition, you know. Yeah, that was even though nothing was pulled from that hunt, that will be one that I will never forget because I, th- I think, I think Steve Ranella had said it in a podcast I'd listened to or in a video I'd seen it. And it's really the words he said, speak truth. The moments that you have that suck the most where you're the most miserable, I mean absolutely just flat out pissed. 
you look back on those moments and you realize those were the most fun moments that you probably will ever have. Yeah. And Barkay was that exact moment and experience, especially for me. Like, I know you endured the same thing I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But just to go ahead and start breaking it down, you know, we get this large area of public land. And I mean, it's hiking trails, horseback riders go there, people hunt it. I mean, it's a, it's a campground. It's a lot of people use it, but there's a, there's a Creek that flows down next to these campgrounds where if you go across on the horseback trails where there's more government, you can get back into, and, you know, we'd set it on the maps and there was some good looking terrain features and a mix of some thicker timber with some breakaways and some CRP, just stuff that really looked like it was, it screamed deer and it drew our attention pretty close. But the only way to get to it was to cross water. And that's where you gotta back it up too. You gotta back it up to the week before that. For this, this story begins a week before. Okay. Because <laughs> because we planned to do this and we had it all planned out. Like we literally sat down, like you said, we looked at the maps, we mapped it all out. We mapped the distance on how far we were going to go. We knew that we were going to have to break out the, uh, the muck boots, you know, like we, we knew that. And we knew we were going to have to go in there really light. We knew that it was going to be a distance, but that starts. Hell, I think it was a Wednesday. And it starts that that Wednesday, we went out. I mean, at this point, rifle season's like three weeks away. And we took that 30-30 and my out six out and shot them to make sure, you know, they were on. And for this season, I, uh, I switched from a backpack to a fanny pack. And... It's actually probably been one of the best things that happened. I totally recommend the Alps Big Bear, is which I think that yeah, the Big Bear is what I have, and then you have the Little Bear. Yeah, I those two pieces of gear they've been a lifesaver. Like they literally forced me to take only the essential things, but from when you killed your buck, which we still need to talk about, I was able to turn that into a backpack with the big bear and we were able to really kind of get everything out of there in one foul swoop besides the stands but back to signing in these damn rifles the out six was fine you know like the um out six i mean it was on it was shooting really good and it was the 30 30 that started this whole freaking issue i mean if, this 3030 is like my great 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 grandfather's 3030, something like that. One, like either two greats or three greats. And I always thought it'd be really cool to kill a deer with it. But I don't know if there's something wrong with the barrel, like with the rifling inside the barrel or the sights are all jacked up. It consistently shoots high, even at 20 yards. So, I mean, I was using that big bear decided in the out six and I was proned out behind it. And that's where we got up with the 30, 30 to move closer. And I completely forgot that that pack was there. Like 
we packed up and we left. And that's, Dustin, is where the shit show started. Is because we go back to my house, drop the rifles off, grab the bows, grab the stands, and we're rolling out the bar K. And we know, like it, we know we're in for a walk and we're in for a treat. And, you know, the other thing here is too, and I didn't think about this, but that was pre daylight savings time. Okay, this is true. I didn't, I haven't thought about that, but yeah, it was. So we so had, we had more daylight. Yeah. We had more daylight that week. So that must have been, it wasn't even the middle of October. It was the end. It was yeah. right there. At it, the was end. The, it was the last week of October, like the last few days, because Halloween was Hell on a Sunday. What? Halloween was that Sunday. It was the Wednesday before Halloween. Yep. And that's, and that's what we were going to do. Yep. And so we, we get down there to start this freaking expedition. And I go to pull my stand out and then I reach to find my pack that has my bow hanger. It has my lineman's belt. It has my straps that go around my tree stand. So I'm a dumbass and didn't put them on my tree stand. It literally has everything in it that I need to be able to get up into a tree. And it just like clicked right there. And you probably saw it on my face, like oh and and your and your release. Like. And yeah, and my release <laughs> was in that bag. And I remember pulling my stand out and I looked at you, and I my face probably said it all, but it's just like, oh shit, dude. We have a 30-minute drive to get back to where we were shooting the Alt Six and the uh 3030. We're not gonna make it. Like we planned this time perfectly to have enough time to hike in, not drive 30 minutes one way, 30 minutes back. Oh, it was a shit show. Which that night, though, that was kind of cool. Even that hunt that we did that night, we went someplace closer to where we shot those rifles and nothing happened that night either, but it was still a cool night. Those were probably yeah. some of the biggest rubs I've ever seen. Yeah. So... But now, after that was a failed attempt, which, dude, I don't even think that night, I don't even think we had our mutt boots with us. No, we didn't have the rubber boots with us. I was, I don't know, my people, I've seen joke about it on like the Facebook forums and stuff. Every now and then I get a little... It's like you can just hold a, a Bic lighter and I get a little flame under my ass. Oh, and my inner and my inner Dan Infall really starts to Tony Peterson starts crawling out of me. And I'm like, all right, it's let's even bigger than that. I think it's the inner Jeremiah Johnson. Yes. My beard turns red and my hair turns blonde and very long. And I just I'm I'm ready. Let's get it. Mountain man vibes are at a full hundred percent. Yeah. I'm nothing but octane and nitrous. Like, let's get it. I'm ready. We're so gung ho getting down there. At least I am. And getting my rubber boots on. As soon as we get up to the creek, I was like, all right, I'm going to go in here first and I'm going to start crossing through and I'm going to try and pick out the best low spot for us to cross. So th this is the second attempt. This is the yes. second attempt after daylight savings. Yes. 
time is not on our side here. No. We have like we we're gonna get up here and we're gonna have like an hour and a half to hunt, if that. Right. And so anyway, approaching the creek, we get down there and I get my rubber boots on. Nick's getting his on. And uh I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go in here and I'm gonna wait in first because I kind of see a, like a low spot. It shouldn't be above the height of our boots. We ought to be good. Just follow my lead. If anything happens, yeah. I'm wet first. We can just turn around and get back. So going into this, you know, I've had this pair of lacrosse. I I think it's the I can't remember if it's aerial light or aerial head, aerial head, I think. The neoprene, the soft tops with the rubber part just being around the ankles and the rest of your foot. Love the boots to death. They've been great. I still continue to wear them. Just not around water as much. Because I'm pretty sure I may have, there might be a hole punch somewhere around the ankle, like towards the back and the seal between the neoprene and where it meets the rubber. Whether that may have been hiking through the woods and gotten to a honey locust patch and getting a thorn or something stuck in there and creating a small enough hole that I didn't notice. But back to where we were at. I am now shin deep in Swan Creek in Chadwick, Missouri. And yeah, just I feel the slight seepage of cold water start to come through on my left foot. And I was like, oh shit. I turn around and I looked at you and I immediately was thinking to myself, I was like, well, that's not good. And I looked at you and said, well, I think I got a hole in my boot because I feel water seeping in. You're like, oh, that's not good. You want to turn around and go back? I was like, yeah, maybe we need to find a different spot. Maybe we can just get out of this. I go to put my foot, my right foot, going to turn around and get back and with floods and the way things have been the past few years, you know, it's like, you see it a lot in rivers and creeks around here. It's like some spots of gravel, are very sturdy and some spots are very loose. Well, I happen <laughs> to step in a very loose spot of gravel and my foot goes sinking in. And now I have water gushing in over my right boot. So both my feet are soaked now. And here I am to the point where I'm like, you know what? The hell with this. Let's 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 do the shit. I'm ready. Like let's get after it. So I, in a fit of rage, turn around, and here I come running down the river, <laughs> and I ended up in water deep enough. My phone was still in my pocket at the time, and had thought about it for a second. I was like, oh, I probably ought to grab that because I'm now thigh deep in water. So pulling that out, throwing it in my bino harness, go crossing the river and I get up to the other side, like a lab getting out of the water. Here I am just shaking off of <laughs> just, just spraying water everywhere off my pants. I turn around and look at you and you just have this lifeless look on your face. Like, dude, that look, what the hell? <laughs> I was pissed because here I am standing there with wet feet and i remember saying to you i was like nick i don't give a shit what it is tonight something dies yeah i don't care if it's a button buck if it's a spike whatever <laughs> the hell it is i don't care if it weighs 50 60 pounds soaking wet it's gonna die like that i remember <laughs> 
that look that that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves is wet feet. Oh, I hate it. And I mean, that just goes back, dude. Like, ah, uh, which we were smart. I'm one it because we had our actual hiking boots and like our, our regular hunting boots, you know, attached to our packs. So if our feet did get wet, we were going to swap them over anyways. They're, they're more comfortable to hike, which right. this is the kicker to the story too, is it was 1.6 miles all the way back to where we were trying to go. So that lifeless look is just like the look of like, well, we're in the shit now. It's time to kind of nut up or shut up and just go internal and let's go. The best way I can describe that situation right there and crossing the creek and getting wet to get over into the spot where we're going is like, uh, it reminds me when I was a kid. Did you ever see Emperor's New Groove when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When they're floating down the river. That yeah, was, the yeah. waterfall, bring it on. Yeah, like that's exactly what that moment was right there. Yeah, the <laughs> it, it gets better because <laughs> maps are great. Like the Onyx stuff, like e-scouting is, is a great tool. It's really nice. But sometimes the contour lines, they lie. Yeah, something so doesn't always... Maybe I'm match up. Maybe my map reading skills are not as good as what they were when I was in the Marines, or you know, I don't maybe I just suck at reading a map. But from what it looked like when we got across the creek, changed our damn boots, we had wet socks. That's where we really we we didn't think that through. We should have brought an extra pair of socks. But from when we started hiking up that hill. 1.6 miles and three-fourths of a mile is straight uphill. And, you know, of course, in Missouri, it's a moody state, you know. Like, it's just – you want that – you get cold fronts, but it can, ch- it can change so quick. I mean, it was like high 60s walking in. But the humidity was so high, though. Yeah, the humidity that was that was the biggest issue. Yeah, so <laughs> three three quarters of a mile all uphill. You're sweating your ass off. You're already feeling like you're like, dude, this is going to be bogus. I smell bad. I'm sweating. We're not going to see anything tonight. But by God, we get back in there and we go through the thick shit. We bust through. You know, like we skirt around that CRP, which I'm pretty sure that, we, you know, it's probably betting. We skirt around there. We didn't bust nothing up. The wind was in our favor up to that point. We get set up. And this is just the part that's like, looking back, that would have been one of the coolest stories to tell sitting around a campfire is if, that eight point that would have came in if I would have been able to shot it. Mm-hmm. Cause that would have just been epic. It would have like, it would have been oh, the worst drag ever of 1.6 miles back to the truck through all that shitty terrain and across the freaking river, but it would have been cool. It would have been cool. Oh, oh yeah. 
But and that, that's the thing is that we literally got the stance hung up into the tree, got situated no sooner, what, five, ten minutes later. Yeah. Here he is coming right on in. Immediately I, I hear something. I look over my shoulder and I'm like, oh, maybe it's just a squirrel or something roughing around over there. We're getting settled in the tree and everything, you know. And then I look back over and I see a silhouette start peering through these cedars. And I was like, oh, there's a deer. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing its head pop through the trees and i definitely i was like oh hell it's got antlers on it and i was like it's a buck and then come through it was probably i don't know 50 or 60 yards yeah i ranged him at 55 yeah and that was that's the funny thing too that i mean we've talked about it before and we've gone through and like i've gone through and kind of elaborated on it and done research and you know i mean i even have my own notes on it or whatever and try to study it more as much as I can going into the woods or when I'm scouting or whatever, but that the actual spot we were sitting in had no sign in it. <laughs> it was literally one of those places. Like that's where it's like, we were talking on the phone the other day. It's like, you know, sometimes anymore when I scout, it's like kind of just let your imagination run wild. Could you see a deer going through the spot? <laughs> Would it make sense for one to do that? I and think- that was the thing about, that spot like it just it looked like the kind of spot you're going to see a deer come through at well you know like you know that from and the kicker i mean we had never been here before so we had no idea what was back in there we have never stepped foot on that side of the river before and walking through on the outskirts of the crp through that there were rubs everywhere oh yeah and that's why you can assume like all right this this is bedding you know this is bedding and we got to the other side and then it opened up into a really nice oak stand with cedars along the edge of that oak stand i mean you're going from so many different types of edge and transitions right there they have to feel safe they have to feel comfortable and nobody in their right freaking mind is going to walk all the way back there to that same spot to hunt that. Right. You know, like there was no human sign. The moment that mm-hmm. really you crossed the river and walked another hundred yards, there was no human sign. I mean, there might be like a, the occasional pile of horse shit. Right. But I mean, you know, your horseback riders, but I almost have come to the point where, I really enjoy hunting areas that are open to horseback and mule riders. Yeah. Cause they're one, the deer are more used to the sound of walking along trails. They're used to the smell of human scent and foreign scents. Right. That, no, that is true. And I, I do think that, that, that plays a little bit of factor because which I don't know, some of those, some of those tracks that were in there from the horseback rides, they looked a little low, but at least like they still have encounters with, with humans. So, I mean, I don't think they, they took them as a threat. No. And I, I think that that buck that night, if we would have sat, you know, 20 yards, it's always the, what if, what I should have done, what I could have done kind of deal, you know, should have, would have, could have. But if we would have sat 20 yards down, Man, I would have really, I would have shot that deer. I would have tried to yeah. narrow through. And 
either way, it's just you look back on it and as a hunter, and I'm starting to really – this season has been filled with a lot of this, of a lot of reflection of breaking down the hunt and really understanding why didn't I say anything. Okay, I did something right because I saw we're in deer. I mean, that's that's part of it. Just really evaluating all of the aspects of why I did this, why I didn't do this. And remembering that for future hunts. Because it's so easy, unless you're super, super disciplined, to get in that mindset of, you know what, this looks like it's a good spot for deer, so I'm going to sit it. But if there's no other outlying factors, you might not see a damn thing. You know, there's, you have to consistently be thinking. Like, it, it kind of cracks me up. I, we've talked about this before, too, about how some people – when they go hunting, I mean, they just, they're walking through the woods, but they're not paying attention to their surroundings. You know, how many, how many fresh rubs did you see coming in? Did you bump anything? Did you see any scrapes? Were there tracks? Was there scat? Like taking into account of all these things and even paying attention in the early season, man, I think some of the, the things that really led us is we figured out in this, in these big timber uh, scenarios paying attention to what's been browsed on you know what what are they what are they going through and eating you know why why this plant versus this plant and paying attention to all those things is just going to make you a better woodsman and lead you to success and that success whether it be the doe that you shoot you know the the small eight or the big buck, whatever it is, you gotta, you start putting all those things together. That's something to hang your hat on. You know, like you're, you're reading it and you're figuring out and you're playing that chess game and you're trying to put them in checkmate. Yeah, I completely, I agree with that hundred percent. So, I mean, we, we've been on the bar K expedition for like 25 minutes now, but it's, it's a story worth probably another 25 it on is. top of that, I could go into much further detail about the emotions and the experience that I had. And that's, and you know, what's funny though is, is that I think that that was the longest distance that we had walked in to get to a hunting spot. I think that, yeah, I think 1.6 is the farthest we've ever walked. That was, that was the longest distance. But I can think of other places that, you know, we walked a half mile, a mile, 1.2 miles, and it was a lot shittier. Yeah. It was a lot shittier. There, there was one, man, there was that one hike, and that, I mean, that, we'll have to talk about that at a, diff, at a different time, but that one hike where we were hiking up the, that big-ass hill, and it was all that, like, real shale, real loose rock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, Are you talking about going in or coming out? uh coming out when it was coming out was nick hit a uh going through the shale you would hit a spot and i'm looking through with a dim headlamp because mine's fixing to die 
and I'm Nick's my guiding light here, and I just see his feet start <laughs> like <laughs> you were running, you were running in place backwards. I mean, honestly, if that if that, if that makes probably, sense, if you can put the, it in slow mo, I'm probably like moonwalking down the hill. Yes, and the first thing that comes to my mind as soon as he catches himself and gets stance out was boy i bet you couldn't have shoved a sewing needle up your ass because it was so tight because <laughs> i mean coming out of the woods being almost a mile and a half back in there about halfway out getting close to the truck we're in the hills and i'm over here like man this is some steep country it's like if if you go down like i don't know if i'm gonna be able to drag you out because Shit, what happens if I fall? <laughs> I mean, that, and that's like the thing is that when you look at Missouri and you look at the way that the uh, the topography and the way the, the terrain rolls, man, when I talk to people and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm from northern Missouri, and I'm like, ah. you don't, you don't, you don't know Missouri then. No. And I, I know that there's places, you know, up in which I'm not sure if we can really call ourselves Missouri around here or if this is Arkansas hunting 2.0. Yeah, We're Arkansas, but we actually have deer. Yeah, the, the exact <laughs> exactly. You know, the the I, I think about that like up there. I know there's places up north that's pretty hilly and whatnot, but my uh, my girlfriend's grandparents they live you know just south of Iowa by an hour and a half or so, and it's so flat. It's so flat. Her grandpa, we were driving around, and he's like, yeah, there's a conservation area over here. You ever want to come up and hunt it? It's surrounded by soybeans and cornfields on all, like, four sides. I'm like, what the hell? Man, this would be- yeah, it's no wonder they're deer up there, 250, 300 pounds, because they've got, they got no challenge to walk on. Yeah. But all the food in the world they could eat. That's right, man. You guys, you come down here and. The deer down here are a little different. We're we hunt billy goats down here. You think right? I I got some I got some family up in uh up in Michigan that man they talk about coming down here and hunting. I'm just like you, you got come on down. That's fine. You come on down. You can hunt it. But <laughs> you better bring your A game and you better wear a good pair of hiking boots because it is straight hill country and it is it'll let you know that it is it is hill country. It'll <laughs> it'll. It'll humble you real freaking quick. It, you know, man, that's kind of we were talking about the title of this episode and that these two stories here, it just kind of the, uh, and I, I'm probably going to butcher this, but the uh, ten, tenacity, that's that, tenacity. Right? tenacity, the tenacity and persistence. Yes. You know, the tenacity and persistence of the hunt. That's, that is the, uh, that's been kind of the motto, you know? Yeah. But the looking forward now, because like I, I will help, it's, you know, December 3rd. Now we're, we're recording this one pretty late. The uh, looking forward now with the rut kind of wrapping up, you know, we're kind of getting into maybe that second rut will pop up here this week or the following week. But having, because I haven't filled a buck tag yet, you've got another one in your pocket now. Uh, my brother, 
he's trying to get one down as well. And so is Tyler. Kyle's all tagged out, which is freaking awesome. But we've got a lot of different things here. And it, it's easy this time of year. It's easy after rifle season to really dial it back and not push as hard as what you pushed for that first half of season. But we're not going to do that. It to continue and finish strong, you know, we've talked we talked about how we wanted to get out of our comfort zone for the uh for this deer season and we've done that. But let's let's keep that freaking volume up high and that intensity and keep pushing at this uh late season stage of uh of the deer season you know we have a little bit more factors to consider now the deer have been shot at they've been pressured you know all these bucks that we knew were out there i mean it's without a doubt they're probably moving right at dark or well after dark so how the hell do you go from what you were dealing with in October when the game is completely changed and you're damn near at the end of the fourth quarter? For like these, for this time of the year, it's for me anymore. I like to do one of two things. If I got a place and I have a camera out or I know that there's good deer still around. It's where you can take things, you know the terrain good of that area, and you know what the deer like to do when they're not as pressured. But now you've added pressure into the mix, you still know where they bet at. Now it's just a factor and a matter of timing of when are they transitioning from this bedding area to this bedding area, or when they're going to feed, or when they're going to water, or whenever they're traveling and where they're traveling. It's just a matter of patterning them again, because I mean, deer without a doubt, early season, very easy to pattern. Even some mature bucks, if I would say, you know, you start, you hunt one place one year and say you don't shoot anything there. Well, I've gathered knowledge and intel that I know these specific deer are here and I know where they bet at. So that gives you an upper hand for the next year. Kind of what happened to us with this season, we hunted an area, the same area prior last year, bringing us to this year. And in the first week, I was able to shoot a mature buck out of that same area. I think when it comes to, you know, however, whatever state you're in and how your season's set up, I think for the most part, there's your early archery, you have rifle portion and then it goes to a late term archery season and then you have your other smaller sub seasons alternative methods muzzleloader however you want to slice it but in these moments you know it kind of takes it back to square one but you have a bit of an edge because you know what the deer do you know where they like to be and at some point or another it seems really late but i mean sometimes the best thing to do is just to sit and wait it out 
and give it a few weeks. I mean, even if it's by the end of December and the beginning of January, I know we've hunted places before that see pretty good pressure and the last week of season being, you know, between January 10th through the 15th, we've been in places before and you see a lot of mature deer that start to get back on that same pattern and rhythm and cycle like they were in early season. Well, having that encounter before, like we had, you know, one evening we went out and hunted and had five different bucks walk in at the same time. Those bachelor groups, they start to form back up. Right. But as of now though, like you had said with the second rut, which I'm not, I'm a believer of the second rut. The rut to me, the rut to me is really weird. It's not that I don't like hunting the rut. I would much rather hunt the pre-rut or I even think I would rather hunt the post-rut at this point because the rut is completely random. You can have a deer pattern and by the time the peak of the rut hits, the buck that you were hunting specifically or maybe two or three, one's still around, but the other two are off wherever in the hell that they want to be. And that could be with a hot dog somewhere. And that that could be like a general area, dude. Like that could be, there was something, we were talking to somebody and they were talking about how they had cameras of this buck on their property. And then six miles or so down the road, the next morning, they had they had pictures like their neighbors had pictures of that same buck and they they shot it. Yeah, and that I agree with that. I like hunting the pre rut, and there's certain things. And this is a topic that kind of always rattling. I I do not we so my brother where he killed his doe at he was uh, hunting, which that whole hunt happened on a field that he he works for the guy and the guy let him let him hunt it man those deer didn't give a damn like they had no pressure they were completely undisturbed deer i'm full i am for sure that they knew that we were there our presence was there what and he never got the chance with his work schedule he didn't really get the chance to hunt a lot there uh, tail end of October and the beginning of November. But we hunted hard on the public, man. And we we rattled. And what? Like nothing. And I would love to talk to somebody. I would love to have somebody come on the podcast and completely, you know, that I want, I want to see. I want to hear their stories and I want to see the pictures of them. They've rattled in X amount of deer and break this shit down because I, we can't be the only guys out there that have never rattled in a deer. And we sit, you know, 10 to 12 hours a week, 15 hours, you know, hell at that time, 15 to 20 hours a week in stand. No, no, I don't believe that shit, but there's gotta be more guys out there that, they're either full of shit and saying that they routed something in when it was pure coincidence and they got lucky. <laughs> I, I, I don't believe it. Cause I can, 
there were times that we were sitting in spots, Dustin, that we knew for a freaking fact that there was some big deer in this area and they hadn't left. Nothing. And I know. At, you know, at least an earshot distance. Mm-hmm. They could hear it. Yeah. And I and know. you got to think their hearing is better than ours. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, like, you know, you look at some of the science, some of these articles that they come out with and they talk about how, well, you know, if you're, if your sex ratio is off, if, if you have more does, you know, you're not going to experience the rut as an area that has an equal sex ratio. Like, okay, that all makes sense to me. I comprehend that. But I just have a hard time believing that we're that shitty at rattling antlers. Like, I just, I don't I, believe it. I don't think I am. I think it's a matter of just being at the right place at the right, at the right time, time, honestly. Yeah. Everyone wants to be an expert and act like they're an expert <laughs> on a certain subject. And when push comes to shove, honestly, you were there at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not I, saying you can't know a lot about a subject, but honestly, for the most part, you know, in my experience, I mean, some of my friends that don't even hunt look at me and they're like, oh, he must really know what he's doing. And I'm just over here like, you know what? I'm going to act like I know what I'm doing. But for the most part, I was just, I've really been in the right place at the right time for a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like That's all I can say. Yeah. It's yet to happen for me with rattling. I've really tried to break it down and look into the science and go into the details of it. Cause I, that's, that's my number one goal. I want, I really want to rattle one in and I want to shoot it. Yeah. But that's just, it's yet to happen. It'll happen someday, but just as of now, I, I'm cutting my losses and you know what it, it will happen. The, uh, the rattling thing. I mean, I don't, we could talk about this for another hour and go back. And I don't even, I wouldn't even care if it's a year and a half year old deer. Not that I would shoot it or anything, but like, yeah. I mean, I mean, do you, you grow up watching all these freaking hunting videos and the old, uh, the old real tree videos? And oh yeah, they got these freaking monsters running in. Here comes one. Here comes two. Here comes three. Here comes four. Here comes five. And you're like, oh, what the what? You know what the you know what they do? Like, you ever hunted? You ever hunted towards a place before or on a piece of private with cattle no as soon as they hear the truck pull up and they see a silhouette of a man they start walking towards it because they associate that with food the deer than the places that they hunt and the big private farms you know every time they rattle antlers the the (laughs) set of corn and apples yeah disperses into the woods yeah that that's the kicker yeah that's that was a lot of the logic that we had too about oh we're gonna push further back in to get away from we know this this area is the weekends it gets a lot of pressure so we're gonna push further back in and we we paid attention to our access routes we paid attention to the wind and how that was gonna play into the places that we were gonna hunt you know we paid attention to the elevation and the thermals Man, I, you, you, you think you might figure it out, but you have that primary wind direction, Mm -hmm. hill country, 
you get to where you're going, but be, yeah, you might are you might have a north wind. And you're gonna set up to hunt that north wind, but by the time you get set up and you throw your milkweed out, you squirt a little freaking bottle with the white powder shit that comes out. By the time you do that, you're like, wait a minute. All of a sudden, I got a south wind here or a northwest wind or a west wind, whatever the hell the case may be. But that wind just goes in there and freaking swirls and swirls and it shoots out this way and it shoots out that way. And then you throw the thermals into the mix of it and it's like, well, <laughs> I guess being at the right spot in the right time is about all you can hope for. Yeah. <laughs> but that that kind of brings into this late season stuff man of still doing all these things correct and not get complacent not get lazy i i think that i'm gonna get some trail cameras out there and make a couple more mock scrapes and really try to to hammer out some different things and see what survived and what didn't I've got a feeling at one of these spots that we go to, I, I just I don't think anybody killed anything out of there, especially the deer that were back in there. I I, I think that we would have heard about it, or I, I think for sure we would have heard about it. I think that with his tight knit and what people we know, we we would have heard about it. I think there's a good chance that those deer, that they survived. I mean, they, fuck. most people are not going to walk back in there X amount of yards, miles, whatever, through the hills and through the hollers. They're not going to do it. Like, maybe with a rifle, they'll go just a little bit farther, but they look at some of these hills and they're going to say, yeah, I'm out. Because getting that son of a gun out of there is about to be a chore. But that all circulates around too. The food sources at this time, and I, I can't sit here and say I'm an expert on that. I mean, that's still something that I'm learning about what the deer are eating at this time of year. And for anybody out there, I'll tell you, if if you don't have this app, and this is the app that I use for it, and it, I've learned a lot. It really is, it's really helped me out with understanding when I find stuff that's been browsed on and whatnot, it's called the picture this and you take a photo of the plant and it tells you what it is. And I think that and this is something that I would like to talk about sometime too, at some point in time too, is, is technology bettering us as deer hunters or is it hindering our abilities? But this, this picture, this app, I think that for somebody who is, is new and really trying to, perfect their their woodsmanship their craft i what better way to understand it but that uh in conjunction with figuring out food sources and then locating bedding man i think hunting those corridors is going to be one of the biggest and strongest things to try to put your tag on a late season buck And I wonder yeah. if that experience, Dustin, 
I wonder if that experience that we had a couple years ago where those five bucks came out, we made a move on them. We did make a move. And I don't – as new what we were to the, the running gun and the mobile hunting and just kind of this whole concept, we made a very aggressive move, and we made a move that essentially we should have – we should have looked a little bit further and sat instead of moving the direction that we did, which was, you know, down the hill to where they immediately picked up our scent. That Intercepting them where they were coming through, smelling the thermal riding down the hill. Exactly. You know, move further down the ridge move and intercept the them at a low point where they cross over from the other side in the saddle. Exactly. And we walked that. We walked that in the postseason. And that's kind of where two and two came together. The trouble of it being, though, like realizing there at the time, it's like, you know, I mean, just previous in that season was the tree that I had shot another buck out of. And we had seen a lot of deer from that tree, mm-hmm. too, throughout the first half of the season and then you know kind of going into the second half after rifle it's like there's not near as many good spots to sit further down but you know that's where you really like anymore i'm willing to get creative with trees i mean if you get a tree with like they seem they're sketchy but you got to be careful and you got to be very decisive but at the same time too you got to risk it for the biscuit if you want it bad enough, if you got a tree with a nasty fork in it, you can finagle your way up in there and get your stand hung and get your sticks right. I say go for it. As long as you're sitting tight and you're solid and you're safe, yeah. it's good. The, the, same, spot. the safety thing. The safety thing is huge, man. I there's been a couple of guys that we've talked to and ran into, and it's like, man, you guys are out here hanging, hunting, and doing all these things. But where the hell is your lineman's belt? Where the hell is it? You know, like, and anymore, I don't even think that's something to just be, I'm just be blunt, you know, dude, you have a family, you have a girlfriend, you have a wife, you have kids, wear your freaking lineman's belt. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, worst case scenario, you freaking die. What are you going to do? You don't have service out there. You're by yourself. You better hope to God you told somebody where you're going, but man, just be safe. That get that really whew, that, that'll add a fire under my ass, light somebody up. Like, dude, don't be dumb. Don't try to cut corners in this. Just just be safe. The trees, though, dude, doesn't if we can avoid hackberries, that would be. A-okay with me. <laughs> that would be that would be A-okay. That was a that was a bitch that night. Yeah, it was. That that was that tree was about something. And about yep. yeah. It was like 88 degrees outside. And the stands kept sliding. They didn't want to bite. I that was man, I've been I've been in white oaks, I've been in post oaks, I've been in blacks, I've been in reds, I've been in walnuts, I've been in hickories. But the shittiest tree I've ever sat of is a hackberry. This is the only tree that there was to sit in. Yeah. That's the thickest and nastiest stuff in the beginning, the the first day of season. 
It's 80 degrees outside, damn near 90. It's hot. There's mosquitoes. There's ticks. There's snakes. And here's my back rubbing up against just the uncomfort of the nasty bark of a hackberry. Not even getting to see anything that night. No, the best thing about that night was the damn Andy's frozen custard afterwards. Oh man, that was good. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 was phenomenal. Pumpkin pie was back. I was in. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> that was opening day vibes right there. Getting all basic, all the pumpkin stuff coming out. Oh yeah, it was it was a damn good day to be dust director. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can't steal my line now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so i guess you know like this episode's kind of just been a lot of bs and telling some stories of this season and i think that i think sharing this stuff i really hope that it it motivates people to just get out there and be persistent and work hard and have freaking fun like yeah like right now is honestly if you have the ability to get out and at least even scout right now, I think is one of the, this is one of the greatest times to do it. Yeah. I, You're I, still, the rut is kind of still going on, at least for us in our area. The lockdown phase is kind of starting to wear out. Mm-hmm. Bucks are still rut minded. It, yeah. They, they haven't fully switched back over to, to survival and life mode. Yeah. So, Bucks are still up on their feet. The second rut, now, like, according to science and articles and books and people write about it, Jeff Sturgis talked about it, a lot of people have discussed it. It's usually it's roughly 28 days after the beginning or the peak of your rut. So with that being the case, you know, we're coming in on the first full week of December. Here just this next week, and... In an area that I have scouted here just this past weekend, I have found a number of rubs, some of them being older, you know, pre-rut into the beginning of November, probably so a few weeks old, and actually have found some fresh rubs, which look to be a day or two old, which is a promising sign that there's a buck holding close by, making a starting to form a rub line somewhat along the same corridor that they'd been traveling on before. Cause I mean, you can tell pretty well of you find a rub line you, two and two add up pretty quick. You could definitely see where they're transitioning through and the new rubs definitely relate to the old rubs quite well. They're just making an imprint over what they already had before going in through this, following this rub line and actually busting deer and watching the deer that were busted and watching where they were going to and funneling down into led me to swing down into some thicker stuff into a draw and essentially getting to a point where I'm in an open area in the middle of thick, nasty, thorny, briar-infested cover. So opportunities for good bedding, yes. I follow the rub line and now I'm starting to get into scrapes right now. I think 
is one of the best times to get out there because you know the bucks are still rep minded they haven't completely gone back to regular lifestyle pattern movement bachelor groups they're still individual they're running their rounds they're doing their own thing second rut fixing to start your yearling does are about to come in and this is the time right now where it's almost like i've got the pre-rut back where the rubs are going to be most hot the scrapes are going to be most hot and this is when the time too it's like you know you've still got a really good chance you got a better chance than what most people think most people think after rifle season oh it's just a bunch of pressure and i'm yeah i'm done i'm out i didn't fill a tag or i did fill a tag and i still got another one in my pocket or you know i'm yeah if it happens it happens if it doesn't uh, it's cool it's it's that time dude where thanksgiving's over with you've been lazy you over the thanksgiving holiday and you just start thinking about other things and you capitalize on that because that's what everybody else is doing you know get out there be hopeful and give it hell and that's i, th- I think though that because you're that's kind of some of the stuff that we've talked about next week on what you're doing and how you're going to approach that i think you got a hell of a chance i, I think you do i hope you call me I got finals next week, so I, I hope you call me and tell me you need some help so I can stop doing what I'm doing and get up there and help you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that that that's the goal. Yeah. That I think that there's I think there's a lot of good opportunity. And I, I think even after I'm wrap up my busy schedule here next week and get through the weekend, getting back and just starting right from bait right right from phase one again and work it all the way up i i think that there still does stand a good chance that i'll wrap my uh wrap my hands around some horns i mean you die hard deer hunter you love deer hunting it it never dies and when the end of season comes that's when it's like season doesn't end no, it doesn't then. I, I the do, only difference is I can't I can't put a tag on an animal. Right. I do believe, like I told you, that when season does end, you ain't gonna see me and you won't hear from me for like two weeks. I will be incognito in my house, sitting my ass in my recliner, catching up on all the stuff that I've missed. But then as soon as I get a little bit a little vacation then is back at it. Let's get out there and we'll do it again. The, uh, you know, before I know we're, we're kind of coming up on an hour here of just rambling, but, and it's not too late for this either. And this, this is something too. We've, I think we've got two, one successful one. It really wasn't a lot of time. It wasn't a lot of successful it wasn't successful but it was just more getting this person out into the woods the uh the mentorship stuff man like that's been a lot of fun sharing the experiences of uh of being in the outdoors and being in the field and hunting oh it's been it's been a lot of fun and i hope that we can make it happen one more time 
get somebody else out there that hasn't had a lot of luck or they don't have a lot of time or they're new or whatever the case may be. Let's just keep that door open and, and get somebody out. And it's kind of cool this weekend. I mean, I know we've talked, we've made that announcement before, but we started our own national deer association branch down here in uh, Southwest Missouri. And we're, uh, we're holding the squirrel tournament this weekend. So December 4th, no 5th, no 4th. Yeah. 4th on Saturday, December 4th, that's happening. And I, I really hope that we get the chance to connect and meet up with a lot of other you know, like-minded people, deer hunters or outdoorsmen and get that ball rolling and maybe make a bigger impact with that. You know, I, I just, that's, that's been a lot of fun, man. I mean, in that story, I'll have to get my brother on here and talk about his first deer, but seeing that his eyes light up after it all was said and done, it's like, this is awesome. It makes it worth it. Oh yeah, for sure. That's what it's all about right there. Yeah. So man, I kind of getting this episode wrapped up. Do you have anything else you want to add in about hunting the, uh, the late season? Um, I mean, I could, I could probably bullshit something and I could go on for another two hours if I wanted to, because once again, I like to act like I know what I'm doing, but I usually <laughs> don't know what I'm doing at all. <laughs> I guess the, uh, so it's best just to leave it to where we've got it right now. And <laughs> I, I like where this episode's gone. It's a good news, good bullshit session. And I think just best leave it at that. Continue the bullshit. <laughs> on a later date <laughs> i guess you know that's 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 where we'll leave it with uh just be persistent be hopeful stay safe and have fun we uh we thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode we've we've talked to quite a few few of you all connected with you guys throughout the season and it's it's really been a lot of fun so if you have if you have some cool stories and you'd be willing to get on here and just shoot the shit like we're doing right now and talk about your experience, your story, shoot us a message. We'd love to have you on. We'd love to, we'd love to hear it and maybe learn a thing or two. But guys, as always, stay safe out there. If you get a second, go through, hit that, uh, hit a, give us a rating leave us a review, follow us on Instagram, freaking Facebook, TikTok. We do have a TikTok now. It's uh, some of it's pretty funny. So check that out and just feel free to reach out. It's a, uh, this is a lot of fun and we enjoy doing it. So I'm going to stop running my mouth, stay safe. And uh, as always hunt relentlessly guys, we'll catch you later. <laughs>